The 42 Rugby Weekly is brought to you by Dundeal Motors, home to all of Ireland's trusted car dealerships. Visit dundeal.ie today to start the search for your next car. I don't think we've met before, but I'm the referee on this field. Leinster could have me five mil a year, I wouldn't go. <laughs> Robbie Robbie Weekly. Little reverse pass. Oh, Magic! Hello, everybody, and welcome to your Friday episode of the 42 Rugby Weekly. And it is a massive weekend in Europe for the four provinces as they all face French opposition, looking to make their way, their respective ways, out of the pool stages. And we've got Murray Kinsella with us to chat a little bit about the Lions as well, because Murray has been on that specific beat this week. You were in London yesterday, Murray. How did you get on and did you get taken by Lions fever or how do you feel about this tour against an Australia that in reality I suppose the Lions should be beating no matter how they line out in a couple of summers time who knows how the, the land is going to lie then and who knows what Andy Farrell's stock is going to be like what Irish players stock is going to be like in what 15-16 months when they announce that squad loads of water to go under a bridge and in that sense it was a bit of a weird day it was it was good for the Lions kind of story to to get launched this is the 2025 tour up and running at this early stage but I I had some sympathy for Andy Farrell because it's a tricky spot to be in he's still the Ireland head coach he's about to start a Six Nations the Lions is a, a good bit down the road he's got a massive year with Ireland and it, it felt like he was just cautious about stepping on any toes or, or saying the wrong thing at the, the wrong time so a bit of a kind of non-event in some ways and how do I feel about the Lions it was a strange one we were on the 15th floor of this big skyscraper and in London City, it was an insurance firm who, who sponsored the Lions and it was just all a bit kind of strange. It wasn't very Lionsy to me because what I associate with it is just the tour element of it. And, and it's going to be class to have that back in, in 2025. The last Lions tour, it grows worse and worse in my memory as I, as I think about it, to be honest, Gav. It just wasn't a tour, obviously. And they were talking about record engagement uh, online last time, but that's not what you want. It's all about being there and, and people going en masse, that sea of red swarming into a, a country like Australia where you'll have loads of expats as well. It is going to be a big event and by all accounts, the demand is really, really high. I think the hunger will have built for, for loads of people. And I know lots of people are cold to it, but it's still a big beast. It makes lots of money. It's it's going to have so much interest and hopefully Joe Schmidt will have got the Wallabies job, knocked him into shape and then he goes head to head with Andy Farrell. It would just be beautiful. We actually need that for the storyline, I do believe. Do you think when the, let's say, the 20th of June rolls around, 2025, and the Lions are hosting, well, hosting Argentina in Dublin, that there will be like enough public buy-in there? and still enough of a curiosity element about this new-looking Lions team that you pack the Aviva? Or yeah. how do you feel about that particular fixture? I, I absolutely think that. I think there'll be loads of demand. And yeah, the... The people who aren't massive on lines are, are probably quite vocal about it, but it is still a huge thing, as I said. And it's a class thing. I don't want to lose that element that I, I grew up watching line stores and loving it. And yes, it's a massive commercial beast now. It makes so much money and everyone's motivated by that as well as the, the prestige. But it is still a big pinnacle-esque item on, on players' checklists. If they're eligible, they all want to play on it. Yeah, they want to get the cash from it, but they really want the, the honour and the level of rugby you have to go to. It's such a cool concept just when you pair all back. Players from four different nations who absolutely batter each other on the regular basis in six nations. And some of them probably dislike each other for, for long portions of the year and thrown together and in a short space of time got a 
produce a really good team performance and they haven't been massively successful because it's so difficult to do so I think Andy Farrell is a, is a good coach to, to lead it he he gets it he loves it he's been on two tours he understands the challenges and the the possibilities and he's obviously really good at building that kind of good ethos in a, in a squad as well as being tactically um, uh, quite alert and, and aware so interesting to see who he adds to his team he said he's going to take his time with that whether anyone comes from Ireland or, or not remains to be seen and just how Ireland also obviously adapt Simon Easterby expected obviously to step up as interim head coach for, for that 2025 Six Nations and Summer Tour but obviously there'll be a, a big shoe big pair of shoes to fill there with, with Farrell away and again I know people are some people will, will dislike that element to it, but I know those people will be watching on and probably loving it when the tour rolls around. Here's a question along those lines from Alan Coleman. Well, it's a question along the lines of Andy Farrell or the Farrells more broadly. And he says, could you see Andy Farrell picking his son Owen as the Lions captain for the Australia tour? Further to, further to that, are the Farrell and O'Loughlin Irish roots recent enough to make Owen Irish eligible for the next World Cup might we see Farrell father and son combo lead the Reds and then the Greens in Australia in the coming years perhaps we could consider or perhaps we could confer an honorary passport passport on Andy to copper fasten the transfer Uh, Alan has blown my mind with that that would be some story I I don't think on Andy Farrell's uh, on that side, he would have enough recent eligibility, potentially on his mother, Colleen. So I'd need to 100% confirm that. But obviously they have strong Irish ancestry. It'll be some <laughs> turnaround. Whatever about lads who haven't been involved by kind of not being picked for, for their national team, it will be very different with Farrell stepping away and going from being Mr. England to involved in Ireland. I think that's maybe a bit tongue-in-cheek. But on the, the first part of it, yeah, I actually could see him being the Lions captain on this tour and even I could actually see him being Lions captain if he wasn't playing international rugby with England and maybe that would actually be a bit easier because he's not the England captain stepping up as the Lions captain with all that baggage that it it brings and maybe having had a tete-a-tete with a few other key figures from other nations very recently he's an amazing rugby player he's a really good Lions tourist and has had success going on tours before he's obviously worked really closely with Andy for large portions even the majority of his career so there's no doubt about their ability to to team up in that way and I think everyone will have seen the clip that's gone around again in recent days of 2013 Lions test um, sorry Lions selection meeting where, where Andy Farrell seems to be advocating for Johnny Wilkinson maybe ahead of his, his own son I, I think they've learned to probably deal with that interesting element to, to their whole story and, and it is that and even yesterday obviously there was questions about Owen Farrell and his potential eligibility, which was confirmed, even if he does go to, to France to play, he'll still be, they'll still be able to pick him for the Lions. And then the kind of questions kept coming and Andy Farrell's patience wore a little bit thin again, as it tends to do. And I can understand that. It must be frustrating for them because they think that everyone's moved on beyond it. But it's endlessly fascinating for everyone else. And even in the upcoming Netflix series, I understand there's going to be a strong narrative focus on that at certain stages of the, the series as well. And and why wouldn't there be? <clears throat> you know, for anyone who's coming new to rugby to watch this Netflix series, they're going to be absolutely blown away by this. You know, the fact that the Ireland head coach is going up against his his son's team and all that happened last year, etc. was um, tough for the family, but they now know that everyone's so um, 
uh, kind of obsessed about the the topic. So when it comes around to twenty twenty five, I mean, I'd be I'd be shocked if he's not in the squad. I I, I would. I know he'd be two years older and, and maybe he won't have played Test rugby, but there's no doubt in my mind about his ability to play at the highest level. The 42 Rugby Weekly is sponsored by Dundee Motors, Ireland's favourite and number one car site, with the largest range of premium cars in the country, including brand new cars, electric cars and premium used. It's Ireland versus France in a nice little curtain raiser for the Six Nations in the Champions Cup this weekend, Murray. For of the provinces against top 14 opposition and the teams were named shortly before we started recording uh, let, let me give you carte blanche here what was the most interesting team to you and we'll start there well the whole topic that you raised there straight away is interesting i think one nation's going to be feeling better about their chances in that six nations opener even if it's not directly relevant but you would love to see those big irish international key players having a having a big weekend and there's talking points right across it. I think in an Ireland context, it's great to see James Lowe back in the Leinster team, as well as Tyke Furlong. Lowe hasn't played since the, the World Cup quarterfinal and they've managed him quite carefully back to this point. Furlong's been missing recently after the, the passing of his father. And, and again, it's great to get him back into the, the team. James Ryan back onto the bench after his recent injury. So they're definitely of relief to, to Andy Farrell. Also, I think he'll be pleased to see Kieran Frawley getting another chance at 10 because we know that Andy Farrell regards him as an out half and rates him as an out half and this is the very last audition before Wednesday's squad announcement it's only a few days away and maybe he's already made those selections in his mind you would imagine he pretty much has but if there's any doubt about a third out half spot well this is prime opportunity for Frawley just to to show what he can do in a really good Leinster team and he hasn't been in that slot in, in the, the kind of Leinster pecking order all along. He's always shifted to 12 or to 15 when they've needed him there. And and others have like Harry Byrne have, have had that 10 shirt. But this is a really good opportunity for him to, I suppose, back up all the growing consensus around him that he's a, a really good option at 10 for, for Leinster in Ireland. And I think with all that quality around him, with Gibson Park at nine and, and a first choice team to, to play around him, it's going to be a really good... Um, Really good opportunity to show even in an Ireland team what he what he could potentially do. So that kind of catches the eye. And then so is the other one. I can't wait for this monster Toulon tie from both sides of it. I think they're both fighting for their lives really. And Toulon have such pride at at Stad Felix Mayall. They they really do. But Munster finally, Gav, this, this is long overdue. A few guys returning from injury. I mean, they've been cursed recently. And and to see Omani, Nankavel, Noscanal all back in the starting team. It's just massive. It's only three guys, but it's it's really massive. It really is. I interviewed Rory Scannell earlier in the week. I think the piece will come out tomorrow morning. We're recording on a Friday and he said he clicked into their squad update link at some point last week just to sort of see it on paper, the extent to which they're dealing with an injury crisis. And it was like way worse than he expected mm. when he saw all of the names. He was like, Jesus Christ, there's like 18 or 19 names on this. But now when you look at it uh, with this team that's been named to face Toulon, that injury list is just looking a lot shorter suddenly and it does feel as though having the likes of Peter Romani, not a Scandalback, is really, really important to them. Alex Nankaville as well, who actually, I was going to say, who will be running it up against his fellow Kiwi, Lester Fyanga and Nuku, but I haven't seen the Toulon team, I must admit. <laughs> I'm just looking at Stad here. Uh, what are Toulon looking like? I'm trying to find their team sheet here on the... The official website, but it doesn't seem to have been updated from their end yet. So I can Ah, okay. People will have seen it by the time they hear this, but um, I can only imagine they'll be yeah, strong. Yeah. They have a really 
good squad in fairness they've been a little bit hit and miss this season over recent seasons but it's such a tough place to to go I know Exeter went and, and did it but they had to be brilliant in the closing minutes and really steely and you'd imagine it'll be something similar for for Munster and feels like <laughs> it always feels like a Munster but season on the line kind of time or season defining time for them and, and we'll probably say that in a few weeks time about them but they're back to a, a place where you look at that team sheet yeah they're still missing key guys like Orgy Snyman and John Klein and Mike Haley even who, who they've badly missed I think but it's a it's a strong 15 you've got Joey Carberry back on the bench Connor Murray with his experience uh, a bit of punch from Gleeson and Kandelin and just a stronger 23 all over because it's been a big issue for them closing out games last half hour last quarter they've let loads slip there and that's been a direct result of the reduction in their their options and their and their quality it's a shame that Ollie Yeager misses out he's continuing those return to prone play protocols and he's pretty quickly become important for them and, and you you just have to think that Toulon will really go after scrum and line out of course the line out's been a, a bit of a shambles for Munster recently and they've got to solidify that it helps that they know game last weekend you'd imagine they will have sorted some of that basic stuff and they'll just be a more solid team and and now that with those key guys some of those key guys back they've got just a little bit more firepower as well and what was probably pessimism for them earlier this week or last week feels a little bit more optimistic now yeah i have just seen the Toulon team on their twitter account and it's frightening it's frightening it's it's a lot worse than i had anticipated <laughs> actually uh, i'm just wondering say taking into account that they are going pretty much full strength as you'd imagine like they, they have that proud home record as you mentioned and they've gone for it in europe this year they've actually just been a little bit unlucky along the way do you give monster a shot at all here is this one of those days that could turn out to be a famous monster day on the road or is this one of those situations where you still have a, a partly injury depleted squad against a team that is really packed full of superstars away from home and it could get away from them early doors I'd always give Munster a chance in, in a game like this and I don't think Toulon are, are near the side that they were at their former glories when they're winning Heineken Cups they have Stardust you're, you're right but they're missing a few as well even Charles Olivon is a big loss for them the, the skipper the leader the back row brilliance that he provides and they're certainly not unbeatable this Toulon team as you say they've been a little bit unlucky but they did let it slip against Exeter almost by switching off they came up short away to Northampton in a game where they put themselves in a winning position late on again but just couldn't see it out so they certainly have their their frailties yeah Munster have to stop the the likes of Nayatalevu hitting the line off Dan Bigger with Ben White sniping threat with Facundo Isa barreling off the, the back of the scrum and and the size of the likes of Priso and Talafua and Kieran Brooks in the in the front row, Gigashvili to come off the bench even. Yeah, it's it's intimidating in some ways, but I don't see them as, as an unbeatable force. We just know it's a fact. Munster have to be better. And with a better injury profile, there, there are fewer excuses for things to go wrong. And I'd expect them just not to be as sloppy as, the, as they've been. Yeah, just on Stade Francais' team, I think they've made 10 changes from their last league game and kind of not exactly sure of the extent to which they <laughs> arguably even want to win this game because they're third in the top 14 at the moment. Now, we were chatting with Owen Toulon during the week and he maintains that at this stage of the season, particularly after a World Cup, it's a bit of a false economy where you are in the league standings, but certainly you can imagine that the top 14 will be their priority for the time being, which is a bit of a pity 
in the sense that the game's at the Aviva Stadium where I think there's about 40-odd thousand tickets gone for that game so far. So you're still hoping for a good contest. And to be fair, you saw would say Bayon coming over to Thoman Park earlier in the season and probably a couple of other fixtures as well this year. Just because a team isn't sending out what might be their first choice 23 in the league doesn't mean that some of those players aren't going to give it a crack. It does feel as though some of those perceived mismatches from recent seasons have turned into better contests along the way this season even thinking back to Sale in Leicester in Leicester mm. I guess that's the best example because we I think I fell into the trap of thinking oh this isn't going to be a contest as soon as I saw that Sale team sheet and we should have I should have known that Sale are well coached and Birch told us all about the motivation they had when he got a, a shot from Tommy Taylor heading off on the sideline and was was left stunned left reeling at half time and, and yeah it looks a little bit of a similar case here but my suspicion I'm going to fall into the trap again is that this one won't be as um, as tough a task for Leinster, and I think they'll be they'll have learned their lesson as well, and they'll be closer to their to their best. I think Brad Weber is going to be a big threat from nine, for example. His his sniping threat and his ingenuity around that that breakdown is is something to watch out for. Van der Mesh in the second row is an absolute tank. He's a unit, one of these massive second rows, but he can actually move as well. He's got he's got a bit of footwork and a, and a bit of um, kind of punch into the into the carry so there are things for them to certainly be cognizant of their size in that in that Stade Francais team as well but it's a shame we're not see, seeing the likes of Leo Barre he's a, a fullback slash 10 who's been outstanding for them this season McAlew I think who has actually maybe an injury issue at the moment and and a fair few others of, of their kind of stars but as you said their priority clearly top 14 and they don't think that even sending their first strength team here after two defeats in the Champions Cup already would, would kind of get them out of trouble. So certainly you'd expect a, a Leinster victory. And I just, again, I just can't wait to see them defending. I just, I, I, I'm living for it at the moment. I can't wait to see how Larmer has kind of done his homework in the last while, how Ring Rose is starting to grasp things, how the back row players are starting to work harder on those catch-up lines and, and corner flagging, who's going to be the, the shooter closer to, to the ruck, just going after the ball and and that's going to be a, a brilliant part of it you'd expect their attack as well to be a, a little bit slicker i know it's attracted a fair bit of criticism kind of recently it's been really hard to play with the weather conditions over the last couple of weeks and they've still been there's still been the the thought process of a, a good attack there if, if it makes sense but not the actual physical skill to to get the job done and, and i think andrew goodman will have sharpened their tools in that regard as well Connacht are on the road to Leon, who seem to have done their season in reverse or at least have probably circumvented expectations as to how a French club might go about their season in the sense that they are badly struggling in the top 14. They just got their arses handed to them by Toulouse last weekend, but they're actually in a pretty good position in Europe. On the Connacht side of the equation, you have a, a first start at scrum half for Michael McDonald, Murr, Sean Janssen returns JJ Hanron starts at fullback, which is interesting in its own right. What do you make of that Connacht kind of team? And do you think it's the kind of team that might be able to ignite their European season away to Leon? Leon definitely have had a, a, a tough season. You're right, they've been decent in, in Europe in those two games, but really struggling in the top 14. It is a miss not to have Caelan Blade there, but we'll, we'll find out about Michael McDonald really on a, on a bigger stage now. And Matthew Devine, who is a backup scrum half, people remember from the, the Ireland under-20s team, he's a real talent. And I, and I can't wait to see him just get his senior debut and, and see if that ability he had at 20s level can translate up onto this kind of stage. The Carty-Hanrahan thing worked really well for them in that Munster game and they were 
more forced into it, I, I suppose. But it, it actually worked really well. The, the pair of them scanning, making decisions in those weather conditions, it worked really well because the kicking game was a, a kind of prominent part of it. And that management of the game was a prominent part of it. And, and the two of them are, are good at making kind of tactical decisions. So great to see that go again and, and how it works out. New kind of looking midfield with Tom Daly, who hasn't featured as much in the last year even who who was flying before that and Tom Farrell who I thought at the start of this season had really kind of accelerated on but then was was missing for a few weeks and, and now comes back in so I think they'll have um, a real kind of motivation to to make an impact on this game and the other one I'm going to be watching real closely is, is Dara Murray who maybe two years ago now Jack Carty said look out for this guy he hadn't really played much at all if at all um, and he said we, we call him the king of Galway I think was the nickname maybe something like that but he said, watch out for him. He's just a, an athlete that we haven't really had there for a while. And I think you saw it in the Munster game. Like he was really hurting people in the tackle, legally. I mean, he was he was really dominant in a few of those tackles close to the ruck. And he is a big unit. He's, he's taller and heavier than his brother, Niall, who is an outstanding line-out operator, particularly defensively, but doesn't have that that bulk. It looks to be a more natural kind of size for, for Dara and... I'm really hopeful that he can kick on. And in a game like this against Leon, who have their own sizable units, it'll be fun to see how he goes alongside Joe Joyce, who's quickly become a, a big influence for them. So, yeah, there's there's bits to like about that Connacht team and it's massive for them as well, like just getting back into the mix because you can so quickly turn your fortunes in these short pool stages. One win is maybe enough to, to go through with a couple other bonus points depending on how, how the other teams go. So... Huge, uh, huge amount on the line for for Pete Wilkins, man. How doable is it for Connor? It's doable, yeah. I've I've only watched Leon once this season, but they really didn't impress me. Uh, it's like in in France, they, in French rugby, they talk about the mayonnaise taking in a team. There's nice ingredients there, but it's actually really tricky. I don't know if anyone has ever made mayonnaise, but it's infuriatingly difficult to, to actually get the thing to to take. And it looks that way for for Leon and. I, I, I don't maybe this will be the day when it when it clicks but I, I don't see that happening so I think there's actually there's opportunity here for, for Connacht they'll have to be really good obviously and I think they're bouncing off that Munster game because it was a big story from a Munster point of view lots of us maybe glossed over the the actual quality of that Connacht performance it was really focused and concentrated and, it, and they did lots of things that we don't associate with them always and that have been missing actually at times this season uh, in terms of like making those good tactical decisions set piece they absolutely nailed it and as I said their defensive work while Munster were overplaying was really oppressive and aggressive and they didn't give up the the soft line breaks that we'd seen from from them before that yeah their line it was 100% I think in that game against Munster wasn't it a couple of line out mall penalties there as well and they seem to have tidied up that area of their game we'll see how they go it feels like the marquee fixture of the weekend this one Ulster against Toulouse late night Raven Hill, you know it'll be pissing rain, you know the atmosphere will be absolutely feral and this is a game which is absolutely pivotal for Ulster, less so for Toulouse in fairness, they have maximum points in the Champions Cup so far but God I can't wait for this game and actually there's a part of it that really um, has me salivating about it is, is just looking at the Ulster backline and it's just the same Ulster backline, that's what's kind of half interesting about it to me is that like they're really settled looking now and you're coming into a massive game on the back of three very significant victories over Racing, over Connacht and over Leinster. And this would be a game in which 
to make a statement like if they can beat Toulouse and really kickstart their Champions Cup campaign it would feel like this is a team on the cusp of something or at least moving in the right trajectory which would be such a departure from the Ulster we were talking about four or five weeks ago Now we would have pointed it out then with Ulster especially things tend to change very quickly but how do you think they're actually fixed for this game based on what you've seen of them over the last three game weeks? Well I can't wait to find out because even in after the Leinster game when they'd won they were quick to point out that it didn't prove anything really that was a great result and they'd had a good run but they still had not that they had doubts about themselves but they still they felt they had a point to prove when they could have just reveled in that and and enjoyed the brilliant result that it, that it was they were excellent against Racing I thought Racing were pretty naive that day and I think Ulster will be honest to themselves about that that as well and and this is going to be you would imagine a very difficult challenge when you look at the team that Toulouse are sending over I mean it is the Toulouse team Antoine Dupont he doesn't seem to have had a, a World Cup hangover at all he just continued being absolutely brilliant Thomas Ramos has has fitted in well at out half with Roman Entomac still on the way back and Blair Kinghorn in that kind of mid-season transfer when Jaminet went to Toulon seems to have slotted in quite well and, and apparently is, is really happy there and feels at home and, and he kind of is a bit of a Toulouse player isn't he? he's a thoroughbred Rolls Royce kind of a fullback and then the, the power and size up front I watched him absolutely blow Leon away 45 nil in the top 14 there last weekend and when you have Miafu coming onto the ball then you have R- 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 Rory Arnold coming onto the ball then it's Mavaka or Marchand whoever's at hooker and, and Mavaka starts this one next time and then you also have that back line at the back just waiting to to capitalise on some of this momentum it really is irresistible at times and as you said they've been excellent so far in the in the Champions Cup and they have a deep squad you know even Jack Willis doesn't start this one he's on the bench but the back row of of Crow, Jelanche and Ruma all them are, are worthy of spots there and I think it's going to be really tough for, for Ulster to stop this it will be a massive statement and you're right, they do have a nice settled feel to their team. And it my sense is that they've this backline in particular has is coming to the point of realization that they're not always going to get loads of chances in games, that they have to just be that little bit more ruthless. Last time it was through Billy Burns kicking against Racing. They obviously used five meter plays really well and, and the backs obviously didn't feature in some of those, but collectively they seem to be pouncing on their opportunities a little bit better. And they'll be reliant on Kitsoff and Tom O'Toole, who I think is looks to be on an upward trajectory at the moment even having made good progress Henderson again I don't think he's had any World Cup hangover at all I, I think he's been really good with us to really dynamic in contact kind of picking up where he left off in the World Cup really he looks he's been injury free for so long now actually which has not been a common thing in his career but he looks explosive he looks at his explosive best I think Sean Reffel's return it's kind of taken me by surprise how much of a, a kind of impact he's had he's a dogged defender. He's really technically good. He can jackal, but he's also got some lovely touches on the ball. He's got a real good game sense of, of where to be and where the better position teammate is as well. So, and, and sorry, this is a this is the occasion that you got Dave Ewers in for as well. His big hitting, his his bulk, his nous uh, on on the blind side as well. And they've got they've got their own reasons to be maybe not confident, but having that pep in their in their step going into this game, which is going to be. Probably a Titanic kind of European clash. I, I can't wait for it. Speaking of Titanic, big Josh Brennan on the bench as well for Toulouse. Trevor's young fella. And I'll tell you who this is a massive game for Mur on Ulster's side. Well, three players I could think of. Jacob Stockdale, 
Will Addison, who's on the bench and I think has a an outside chance of being involved with Ireland at the Six Nations in the sense that his style of play is so lends itself so much towards what Andy Farrell likes to do with Ireland and he's a kind of a second playmaker from fullback he could stand in first receiver it's he's kind of got all the tools I think that Ireland will be looking for but we were talking about this uh, Owen Toulon and I on Wednesday for the 42 subscribers there's a massive vacancy now on Ireland's right wing in the absence of Mac Hansen in the absence of Jimmy O'Brien and there actually aren't that many standout options at least guys with test level experience to fill in there so for Rob Balakun I think this is a huge game because if you can someone bag a couple of tries against Toulouse, say two of those few chances fall your way and you convert them, you change the complexion of your own season and suddenly you're playing yourself into form ahead of a, a Six Nations campaign in which your berth on the team is actually available. I'd love to know what your thoughts on that position for Ireland at the moment in the absence of Hansen and Lowe and like would Stockdale be an option to you on the right wing because for me he chips off his left foot so it, in my head it doesn't work but is he a, a live option there as well do you think? Probably not for me on the on the right wing he just hasn't played there and as you say that you have the two kind of left footers the left wing is a kind of perfect home to him he's played a bit of 15 I wouldn't see him as a 14 option if it hadn't been Mac Hansen the obvious replacement was uh was Jimmy O'Brien because he's of that ilk. He's a almost positionless player who can really intuitively buzz around the pitch and who can pick passes. He's played 10, 12 in his youth. So he has that kind of profile that Hansen has. The next best option, if you're going for that mould again, is probably Gary Ringrose, who I, I know he wants to be the best outside centre in the world and, and obviously push on and, and be a line in that position. But I think he would be a little bit like for like because he's, come to have that responsibility as a centre to to bring others into the game to use his passing but then I'm realising that I'm falling into the trap of you have to have a like for, for like and obviously every system Ireland have their system but Ireland are going to have to evolve as well and in these circumstances well maybe you change the role of the right wing and I think back to a few years ago when Andrew Conway was a major part of the Irish team a really impressive performer on the right wing and he wasn't the, the Mac Hansen that, that wasn't his game I'm not saying he didn't have good hands that he couldn't pick out space but his role was you know making kicks on the edge being really aggressive on the chase winning the ball back in the air and finishing well he had some lovely finishes for Ireland and absolutely that's a, a Rob Balakun role definitely and also if you get Rob Balakun into your team you get the upside of if you get turnover possession and the French defence is not ready Rob Balakun could score from 70 metres out, which no one, Ireland don't really have that kind of profile. I mean, not many teams do. He is a, a unique athlete in that regard. So Andy Farrell's good at looking at the upsides of everything. And and I think, I think Balakun probably would have learned loads from being in there and not, maybe he did grasp his chances. He was just unlucky, but maybe not taking every single chance. And he feel it feels like he's kind of coming up to, to the boil now as well, grown into the season and, he defends really well. I think his his reads off the edge are, are strong. He does have that aerial strength. And while he may not be able to step in at first receiver uh, comfortably and intuitively and make those decisions, um, I think he can absolutely demand more of him around the pitch as, a, as maybe a kind of strike uh, runner off some of those ball players. And yeah, he should be in that mix. Absolutely. He's a very unique and brilliant athlete. Friday, 2nd of February, you're in Marseille. France against Ireland. Six Nations, curtain raiser. Who is starting for Ireland on the right wing? On the right wing? Yeah. Calvin Nash, probably. 
in my mind I'm, I'm thinking because yeah again he's been in the monster system that does demand that of their wings and it probably wasn't natural for him almost almost a kind of abrasive defensive winger in the early years of monster he can still do that as well but he's certainly added strings to his bow and if you do have a more kind of refined defined right wing role that has less roaming and and creative license he can definitely do that really well uh, as well and i know that they were really happy with him over the summer he missed the, the cut for the world cup squad of course but he got his debut and by all accounts he did well in there uh, during during the summer give us your picks then your final picks for the champions cup this weekend leinster should get the job done the other three a little bit more up in the air france versus ireland ireland versus france how does it shake out to your mind i think munster will win and I think Connacht might be pipped in a really good game. And I think Ulster might be hedged in similar circumstances, maybe. But I'm, I'm literally, I think they're toss a toss of a coin. Those three games, really, Munster, Ulster, and Connacht. So you know my history of predictions, Gav. It's absolutely <laughs> pathetic. So why don't you give it a go? <laughs> Actually, I think it's a fruitless or, or a thankless ask because, as you say, the games are so close. I think Toulon will do it. I think. Leon will win. I actually think Toulouse will beat Ulster as well. I think it might be just Leinster this time for problems. <laughs> like a grim weekend heading into the yeah, yeah. heading into Six Nations squad. Have a great weekend, everyone. Everyone's confidence down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, like you say, it's a, a kind of it's a fool's errand, but you do always ask us at the end, and I'm always thinking, ah, oh, everything we've said, even no matter how much research you've done, and then you make a prediction, and it's just shocking, <laughs> and people go, this fella hasn't got a clue. I'm just trying to give people a sense of comfort going into the weekend and then I realise I've done the exact opposite myself in the last 30 seconds. Uh, let's park it here for now, Mer. We'll be back, obviously, rounding all of those games up with Bernard Jackman on Monday. It's the 42.ie forward slash extra. If you want to sign up there, you get two additional podcasts a week as well as access to all of the 42's offerings. And it was good to get some nice feedback on our chat on Monday because it was actually a it was Colm O'Donoghue who emailed in about the central contracts thing and there's been a bit of feedback since and I love when that happens because it obviously is a very discussion-worthy topic and it definitely gets people interested. So we might go back and touch on that on Monday. And I know there's other stuff, Gav, that subscribers have been on to us about and yeah, we love those kind of big topic discussion points. So definitely keep those coming. Yeah, that is one of the beauties of the subscription is that you can get in touch with us and almost shape an episode. It only takes one email, actually. Here's an interesting question, and we'll have a quick chat and we'll be like, let's talk about this for an hour and 10 minutes. <laughs> well, it's great because we don't have to make a plan for the pod. We just, <laughs> you just read out the email and, and Birch gets stuck, in, stuck into it and I get stuck into it and, and you throw your bit in there as well. So it does help with our, our workload. <laughs> well, I just sit back and relax. Thanks, Mert. Got you then. Appreciate it. Thanks everyone at home as well. We will catch you on Monday, as I say, if you're a subscriber. If not, why not get involved? But we will be back in this slot next Friday again. Until, yeah, next week. Take care, everyone. Put the boys in the better land. You're always talking about the boys in the better land. The boys in the better land. 